0: Tim Fisher
1: welcome to Word Tetris. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing?
0: Um we've very well. We How recently met on Twitter and I was like and then I looked at your IMDb I was like, well this is someone I need to have on the show.
1: I appreciate you, that. You've been
0: you've been you've been around since the early 2000s.
1: I have been around for a very
0: long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. So let me read these credits cuz this is a very diverse um, uh, resume. We got Alias, The OC. I'm only listing the writer credits. Alias, The O.C., Charmed, Criminal Minds, The Forgotten, which was very forgotten, <laughs> uh, Law and Order L.A., Twisted, Witches of East End, Being Mary Jane, and Take Two. It's a very diverse resume.
1: It is. It's a very diverse <laughs> resume. I'm very lucky to have be able to work on... A multitude of different types of shows: relationship dramas, procedurals.
0: Not many writers can do that. Also, script coordinator on *Sky Surfer* Strike Force. Yes, I. I don't I even know what that there. is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I had a I had a jaunt in uh, children's TV animation.
0: You know what? There's a handful of writers that have had that jaunt. I'm always fascinated. Like Amy Berg did Keenan and Cal at one point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was on. A, also, a Damon Wayans had an animated show called Waynehead.
0: I was also on really? that as the uh, script coordinator, writer's assistant. Yeah. So you came up through the ranks. Oh,
1: completely. Yeah.
0: Yes. All right. So before we begin, as per usual, you will hear the. If you're listening to this on your various podcasters, your iTunes, your Spotify, your whatever, um, hoopla. Um, if, uh, if you're doing that, you will get the first 20 minutes of this episode for free. If you want to hear the full episode, head over to patreon.com slash tetris, sign up for the $1 an episode tier, get the full episode, get the full Deb Fisher experience. If you want to hear that plus a. Bonus episode we're going to record after this. Sign up for the $3 episode tier you're going to hear on Tuesday. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I already know what the topic is. It's going to be good. In fact, the topic is the reason why we're recording. So we're going to get there. And I'll tease it at the end. Um, quickly, where can people find you online?
1: Where can you find me online? Yes. Uh, well, you can find my credits on IMDB. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Deborah J. Fisher.
0: The Twitter is what we need. Yeah, that's what you need, my Twitter. <laughs> And you are, can we even say what you're working on? We can't say anything, right? Uh,
1: now. I can say it has not been announced by Netflix.
0: But it is Netflix.
1: But it is Netflix. I'm sure running a new Netflix series. It has yet to be announced, but it is called Ginny and Georgia, and we're doing 10 episodes. Are we breaking the news here? I think like, we might be actually breaking the news on word attention. <laughs>
0: This this is like the first time I publicly talked about. Well, it. I'm in an empty. When I say empty, I mean the furniture is here, and <laughs> that's it. And the phones are here. Yes. The furniture and the phones.
1: And there's some monitors for computers.
0: Yes, that's like it. this office is bare. It's also very echoey and concrete. Like this is st- st- like I imagine you walked in. It was like.
1: hello hello, it was completely empty when we walked in (laughs) and you know we've got our big kitchen over there and i will take you when we wrap up our interview our writer's room is below us and it's the entire length oh so you have so it's like a it's like a suite i would call
0: it but so are these are the desks that we're sitting at these
1: are going to be this is the script coordinator's desk that's going to be the writer's assistant desk and then Far down there is the my showrunner's assistant. Where's your writer's PA. Uh,
0: oh, we don't have yeah, one. Isn't that the new? That's like the new thing. The writer's PA is being phased out. Well, <laughs> with not
1: all shows, because I did fight to have one. Um, the space that we're working in with Netflix, uh, we're doing low budget. Oh yeah. So we're we're doing just under this this tier. It's like this low budget S-V-O-D yep. tier. Yeah. Yep. So we can't afford. Right. <laughs> A PA. Um, we're going to be shooting in Toronto, which is part of our keeping everything uh, under yeah. budget. Yep. So
0: yeah. Yeah, I know. I know the outlet. I think. I, I think I might. At the end, I'm going to ask. I think I might know. Actually, know what? Hold on. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> I'm going to write. I'm going to guess who the head of your department is at Netflix, and then you tell me if I'm right. Uh, no. No? Can I? St- Is it okay if I say? I I just don't want to. I don't want to step on any more toes.
1: No, is that? I don't know who that is. That's the head. So that's we're under the Bella Bella Bajaria. We're under her umbrella.
0: Okay.
1: So I work with Stacy Silverman and Cole Galvin. Because I
0: know that this person runs that same operation where it's like if you're basically here's here's how Netflix works. If you're not in Netflix Studios, if you're not Netflix proper, this is like House of Cards. Altered Carbon, um, Lost in Space, those shows. You're under different... Uh, Netflix has mini studios within yes. its conglomerate, and those studios have a much lower budget. Yes. <laughs> but they're still considered Netflix shows? Yes. I'm learning all this, too. I think the, the shows
1: that you mentioned are under what's called, like, original program. Yeah, Netflix
0: originals. Yes,
1: and this is, like, an umbrella of offshoot like of originals yeah. in the SVOD space right so. And so
0: that's also why they're infusing so much money into Canada by the way if you came here for writing I'm sorry like <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it we will um, I promise lastly twitter.com slash merrill bar M E R R I L L B A R R for me but the most important thing is you sign up for the Patreon now I shouldn't have slammed that table because this thing echoes. It does. It does. Like, I'm just, like, like, I'm imagining there's going to be times where it's going to get filled up and it's going to sound like a cafeteria in here.
1: It, uh, I'm, I think you're right. I'm hoping that once we get bodies and a little more furniture, things hung on the wall, it's going to sound a bit less echoey in here. Right. So luckily downstairs in the writer's room, it is carpeted. So that we should helps. have done this down there.
0: That's, that's, that's probably, you know, in, in, in hindsight, yeah, he just got downstairs. But you know, what's a little echo in the in the engine? So the writer is as long as this rectangle. Right yes, here. it okay, is correct. Yeah. All right, that's a big writer. It team. is. How many
1: writers do you have? Uh We have what I would call six entities, but eight eight writers. We've got two teams, so there's okay. going to be eight. Humans, but
0: six six entities. We got, got a
1: co-EP team, a supervising producer team, and two staff writers.
0: Got it. Okay. So, what is your relationship with rewriting? How do you feel about it? Is it something that you dread doing? Is it something you enjoy doing? Hmm. The expression tells me a lot. It does because uh, rewriting. Uh,
1: when people ask about the career of writing, that is exactly what I tell them. Writing is rewriting. That that's all that we do constantly. We are in a constant state of rewriting. And it depends when we're working on, when, when I'm working on something that I've written an original idea, uh, the rewriting process is less stressful when I'm on a series and there are impending huge deadlines and you have, a page one rewrite and it's due in like two days um, or three days.
0: Those do you like deadlines. sleep? Then this no. is not the job for you.
1: No, if you, I just went home for my high school reunion and you know, being outside of Los Angeles, everyone thinks it's such a glamorous job. And so I explained to people, do you like working late at night and on weekends and during holidays? And breaks. If you do, then this could be the job for you.
0: <laughs> it's, it's not as glamorous as you think. You've worked on such a variety of shows. I'm kind of curious to know how you feel your rewriting process has been affected from show to show. I imagine the way you would rewrite an alias is not necessarily the same. You'd rewrite a Law & Order LA.
1: Well, because those shows are a little bit different, you know, Law & Order LA is a standalone you know, each episode is standalone, so you typically have your your case, your case of the week, and those usually stay the same. Uh, it's mostly, you know, how you're achieving the reveals and the, who the killer is, things like that. But on serialized shows, things can change that had nothing to do with your writing, for example. So if you're writing episode 5 of 10 in a serialized drama... If the things before you are changing, then inevitably your episode is going to have to change drastically as well. How much of that is you doing it
0: versus the showrunner doing, taking it at that it point? It
1: depends on the show and it depends on the showrunner. Uh, usually writers will get a shot or two at doing a rewrite. Uh Sometimes there isn't time for that. I've been on shows where there you do one pass, you give it to the showrunner, and then the showrunner does it. I've been on shows where uh, the showrunner will just keep noting you till you get it right. Uh, do you have a preference? I in doing both. Well, I will tell you on Criminal Minds, Ed Bernero, he was much in that space of you're going to keep rewriting this till you get it right. Because he didn't, he didn't want to have to rewrite anybody, which I appreciated because that was the first show that I really did learn how to produce an episode of television. So in that regard, it was great. If you're on a really challenging show where you don't think that the, you're not getting the show quite well and you just sometimes hope the showrunner will just take it because it sounds like they know what they want and sometimes can't communicate what they want um i've worked with a lot of showrunners that typically can communicate with with what they want sometimes sometimes showrunners aren't great communicators shocker <laughs> and that's something that i've learned a lot i've been on 10 different television series
0: how do you feel about that like how do you feel that body of work has Because this is your first showrunner gig. Yes. You know what? This is. Let's take it in this direction. Sure. Because I haven't actually done this one yet. Okay. Because of your body of work, because you've had ten different, ten uniquely different experiences. When you're looking at the process of rewriting, how do you think you're going to? Because we're actually we're at like the precipice. You actually have not started your room yet. No. So how do you think you're going to go about? structuring your rewriting process for your writers?
1: Well, in the way Ginny and Georgia is set up, I was brought on, the, the creator of the series, Sarah Lambert, she, as of a month ago, was a development assistant at the last five years. She's <laughs> never been on a TV series. So I was brought in to mentor her and be the showrunner of this series. So the way this is set up, and Sarah and I have talked about this, when we start our room, and we're going to start doing long term story, which most shows do. And then once we get down to episode two, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, writer of record. Who we call it if that were if you were writing episode two, mm-hmm. uh, you would turn in your draft to us. We would give you notes. If we have time, maybe another set of notes. And at that point, Sarah, because she's the creator, Netflix hired her for her voice and her vision. She's going to do a voice pass on the episode. Then I will get the final, you know, hopefully I won't have to do much. Just make sure everything... Make sure we can
0: shoot the draft.
1: Make sure we can shoot the draft. (laughs) Making, you know, making sure we're at a good page count. There's not too many scenes. Making sure things sound good. Because a lot of times when you're on a new show, you know, there's, there's too much dialogue. Just making sure all that... In this instance, my job isn't come to come here and take this show from anyone. It's to give Netflix the the
0: creator's vision. So it's your job to lay the foundation, yeah, for to allow for the show to succeed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And to you're the contractor they hired. Yes, exactly. And to show Sarah how. How How to
0: make a show. How to make a TV show.
1: (laughs) She's getting her crash crash course in this. So, yeah, she's learning. She's in the room learning, just like some, you know, our new staff writers.
0: Okay, then here's my next question. You know, how are you... Do you view this show as... It's not like it's your baby, but it is your adopted child. Yes. Yes. Uh, And you want to treat your adopted child as you would your biological child. Yes. So... I don't want to say you're preparing for flights because that's the wrong way to put it, but it's I'm in that world of like, have you, have you had the discussions with, uh, with her about who has fun, who is, who is the ultimate entity in charge?
1: Yes, we did before I was hired. Uh, I met with her and the producers, uh, of the series. And we talked about that because she, she did ask how, How do you see our relationship being? And I said what I just told you, like, I'm not here to take your show from you. That said, we will, we will discuss things. We'll have discussions. We'll have passionate, you know, arguments about things
0: we don't will agree, in the echo chamber right don't them <laughs> in the echo chamber we'll
1: agree you know 80 90% of the time but there will be sometimes we don't agree that said there has to be one final person to make a decision and i will have to be that person but you know it's all subjective storytelling so it, it's I, given the way things have gone so far between the two of us for the last two months, I, I think it's going to be, we're going to have a really great time. We have very similar, uh, like the storytelling, like the, the shows that we like, the stories we want to see on screen for Ginny and Georgia. So I, th- I think we're going to be in really good
0: shape. What is it you're going to want to be? What is, it, what is it the things you're would be? you going to look for in the scripts? Because you, different channels look for different things, right? It's like some showrunners I know are just like, I just need it to be a shootable draft. I don't care about anything else. Can I shoot that? Cool. We'll figure it out. Whereas others can get very specific. You know, we were talking about some people off mic. Who get very specific yes. with what they want in their scripts, yes. and you know, you talked, you mentioned Bernero, who you know would send you back over and over again and say, "No, write it like this," <laughs> yes, but not no, just no. actually just say, "Fine, I'll just do it." Right, right. So, what is what kind of what kind of showrunner are you looking to be when you when you're when those drafts come in? What are the things you're going to note until you're send the writer back on and go work on this. I want more of this.
1: I think when you are working on someone else's series, the challenge is always the voice of the show. I'm super confident that everyone's going to be able to do, like we're all going to be working hard on these stories. And when we're breaking each episode, like every scene and we're going to do scene work on, on every single, every single scene we will have talked about how we get into it, how we get out of it, what the tone of that scene is going to be. But the hardest thing is the voice. So I think that that is something that will be the biggest challenge, especially on a show like this that has it, it tonally. It's, uh, it's very different. It has a very Gilmore girls type feel to it. There's a lot of, you know, present day you know references and things like that so it will be i think that would be the biggest challenge is for writers to get you know get the, the quote-unquote voice
0: now taking it. now taking it back to the body of work you've had mm-hmm. what what was your favorite you know exp- like what's what's like I'm not going to ask for the bad because we could spend all day there. What's what's like your favorite experience on any of the shows you worked on where you went, I want, like where you kind of look at as the example of this is like, this is where I want to pull, this is where I want to pull my, how I'm going to do it from.
1: You mean in terms of shows that I've worked on? Where you
0: had to do the rewriting and stuff. Like what was like your favorite example of the showrunner was either very clear with what they wanted or just took the burden off you? Like, and what was your, you, you know? First of all, what is your preference between the showrunner taking it from you and.
1: I think it would depend, like I had mentioned earlier, it depends on the show. Like if I feel as though I'm not in the ballpark of what the showrunner's asking for, if I'm rewritten by them, I'm able to see, oh, okay, that's what they wanted. Right. I got it now. In terms of me just like literally missing, you know, hitting the ball. You know, right. foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, strikeout.
0: So what was your favorite experience?
1: in Recently, my, my two favorite experiences in the last like five years are Witches of East End and Being Mary Jane. And there was just everything about those shows were just, they were run by two women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like women, female showrunners are very good communicators they they look they know really know how to motivate we really think show running is a very difficult job because you you only don't have to keep your eye on the creative ball there is a whole other side to show running management i am in charge
0: of production All of it. The best way it was ever described to me was Mick Betancourt, who just came off show running Deadly Class Mm -hmm. season one. And uh, I was chatting with him the other day. The other day, it was like, you know, two months ago. (laughs) Um, And he said, Look, when I'm the number two, because he came, he he had spent like six six different shows at number two over Mm -hmm. the course of like Mm -hmm. five years. Uh, He's like, When I'm the number two, I'm only in service to. The one. I'm in service to the showrunner. and And I'd say, the show, you, work your 40, you work your 40, I'll work my 40, right? You know, that's, mm-hmm. we go home at the end of the day, everyone's happy. But if I'm the showrunner, I'm in service to 200 people. Yes. I'm in service to everybody beneath me. And I thought about that because I think about PAs all the time, right? And I think about it how, like, PAs are in service to everybody above them. And if Mick, what Mick's saying is true and your affirming look tells me it is, if the showrunner is in service to everybody below them, it means... The best if you if you think that getting to showrunner means you're in the clear, you're in the wrong position. Stay at number two. Yes. That's the least amount of work. If it's, it's, <laughs> it is. If you, you know, and, and showrunner... To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Tetris.